Former North Carolina and St. Louis High School basketball star Caleb Love has entered the transfer portal, and Missouri might be the leader for his services, according to some, but I gotta say, I think some Tiger fans are overrating him a bit. This, plus my thoughts on Jamarian Sharp as well in this basketball-heavy edition of Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And again, let's get started with Caleb Love, a guy who, if you remember a few years ago, the class of 2020, he was actually the 17th ranked player nationally out of Christian Brothers High School in St. Louis. And indeed, as you can expect, Love is a highly, highly talented player. No doubt about that. But he's also a really streaky player. If you look back to his freshman season, the 21 campaign at UNC in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, he was frankly horrible. I got to be honest, and and that's not an overstatement, as in he was one of the absolute worst offensive players in college basketball as a freshman. It was really that brutal because he took a ton of shots that year too. But then, of course, last season, the previous season, his sophomore year, Love was Much better as a sophomore, took even more shots, but was more efficient with it at least, and was a huge part of the Heels' run to the national championship game. Of course, the result of that game has been redacted from my memory entirely. But again, the streaky nature of Caleb Love's game seems to have carried over to the Tar Heels in general. They missed the tournament this year, and guess what? When you play 88% of your team's minutes and you take by far the most shots, you deserve a lot of the blame too. So I think, quite honestly, Missouri fans, be a little bit careful what you wish for when it comes to Caleb Love. And and don't get me wrong, again, I'm, I'm in on the talent. I think it's possible, maybe a change of scenery, a little bit different role for Caleb Love would do wonders for his game. But just for some context here, in case you think I'm over, over exaggerating here, Last year, Caleb Brown, or excuse me, Kobe Brown, of course, led the Missouri Tigers in field goal attempts. 351 shots Kobe took. Well, Caleb Love took nearly 500, 497. That is just on a percentage basis, that's a massive, massive amount more than Kobe Brown. Kobe Brown, obviously a big part of the Missouri offense. So, I do think you got to be a little bit careful for what you wish for here with Caleb Brown. And you know what? Actually, he was a big part of a threesome. We're going to revisit that threesome that had Missouri ties from that 2020 class, of which Conzo Martin got none. How did that work out in the long run for all three of those guys? Let's talk about that a little later. But first, Jamarian Sharp. Ah, yes, you probably remember that young man's name. Yes, it's Deja Vu all over again, as Yogi Berra once famously said. Missouri reportedly again. The word on the street is they're the favorite to sign the 7'5 
rim protection specialist, and indeed, statistically sharp, was the best shot blocker in the entire country last season. And by a pretty good margin, too. Really only Liam Robbins from Vanderbilt. Missouri fans got a close-up look at him at Mizzou Arena this season. Robbins, along with Duke's Derek Lively, who's a big-time prospect, draft prospect, I should say. Those were the only guys who were even all that close to Sharp in terms of shot-blocked percentage. But here's the thing, though. As incredible of a rim protector as he is at seven foot five. You're not exactly going to run the offense through him. Now, he made 65% of his shots, but he was also fouled at an incredible rate, which makes sense considering he made only about 50% of his free throws. So with all that being said, I think if Missouri signs Jamarian Sharp, I'm not sure we need Eddie Lampkin, a guy who also has been strongly attached to Missouri lately by the Missouri beat. Well, the TCU sophomore, six foot eleven center is a big time, big time offensive rebounder, much more so even than the seven foot five Jamarian Sharp. But I'm not sure, at least on paper, at least on first glance, there's a lot more to Lampkin's game. The block numbers, for instance, for which Jamarian Sharp excels, well, they're merely average with Lampkin. And while certainly I'm well aware that that isn't always the best indicator of how effective you are as an interior defensive player again at first glance it's just I'm, I'm not wild about this and especially as Lampkin is also a similarly poor free throw shooter about 56 percent from there well I, I'm just not as in love with him if, if he wasn't seeing a reason to get on the court at TCU for significant you know majority type minutes I'm not sure that Missouri should be that into him either but ultimately what I think if Jamarian Sharp comes on this roster I think he's a more important piece than what Caleb Love could potentially bring because Sharp equals a type of lineup versatility that Missouri just simply didn't have last year if there was a time where Missouri was getting beaten in the paint either at the rim offensively on the boards or often both well what could we really do about it in terms of personnel, not much. But Jamarian Sharp, obviously, you don't have to play him the entire game, but when you need him, you might really need him a lot. So, you know what? Coming up, I want to actually talk about what Missouri's roster might look like and their overall lineup construction might look like with Sharp and, yeah, maybe Caleb Love on board too. So let's get there. But first, I want to tell you about a FanDuel Sportsbook because – it's the perfect time of year to get involved. The Final Four is coming. The Masters is coming. NBA playoffs. That means there's no better time to get to FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then, like I said, you can bet on everything from golf to basketball to baseball opening day coming up as well. Best of all, the app is safe, secure, and quite easy to use as well. So don't miss out on your shot at a no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 
For me, it's interesting to think back to the November period for Missouri and plus the December game against Southeast Missouri as well. You got eight games there plus Wichita State. I would say those eight non-conference games against, well, the lowly likes of Southern Indiana, no offense to Lindenwood, but yeah, you're there as well, Mississippi Valley State, Houston Christian, those type of teams that you expect to blow out. Well, it was interesting to look back on those because not only did Dennis Gates basically not call a timeout in any of those games, maybe he called one to break a run, something like that, as he explained, hey, I'm not going to try to rescue these guys from every situation. They need to try to learn. So what he was saying is he took a lot of those games as a chance to figure stuff out, to experiment, not necessarily to try to get every bit of margin of victory out of it for the computer rankings and the metrics and all that kind of stuff. So the point in bringing this up is actually those first two, those first eight games, those first nine games, Missouri played at absolute warp speed, basically, too. And then Missouri played Kansas. And guess what? That didn't go so well. Missouri had some 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 obviously some holes were exposed in that game and I thought as the season went along while Missouri certainly got the ball up court quickly to get into its sets offensively the sort of hyper speed tempo actually slowed as the year went along fairly significantly I would say I think the stats really back that up too when you look at it but the point is Dennis Gates is obviously malleable He's not just married to one style of basketball. I think those first that first month of the season, clearly, he was trying to figure out the limits of what he could do with this style of offense. He's saying to himself, well, I thought I was maybe getting Jamarian Sharp last season. It didn't happen. So without this big man in the middle, well, here's what I need to do. I need to play to my team's strengths, which is I've got some versatile forwards who can spread the floor out We can get three-pointers up quickly, play fast, wear the other team out, hopefully. And I think Gates eventually learned the limits to that as the season went along and adjusted accordingly. And I think next season, if you see Sharp in there, well, it's not as though though this is going to completely ruin the Dennis Gates style of offense because I don't know that there's a 100% a, a style of offense. I just think defensively, number one, Obviously, Sharp's going to make a big difference, and even if there are times when the other team sizes down and maybe tries to go one-on-one against him, I don't know how many teams in the country have that guy, number one, but number two, you can just take him out then and, and go back to that style of basketball where Kobe Brown is your de facto center, and again, I'm not assuming that Kobe Brown is coming back next season, but for the sake of this discussion, let's say he does. I think there's a pretty good chance that it happens. Well, then you're looking at a starting lineup of something like this. Jamarian Sharp, Kobe Brown, John Tanjay, the, the, the Colorado straight transfer and good shooter, Nick Honor at point, and then, hey, maybe, maybe Isaiah Mosley as your other guard. Maybe Caleb Love. Maybe he comes over too and, and Mosley comes off the bench, assuming he comes back next year, which I'm more certain of than Kobe Brown, at least at this point. Then that's not even to mention another year of Aiden Shaw and his experience, Sean East and his ball handling, plus Kurt Lewis, I think, is going to be an immediate uh, immediate junior college transfer who is a big contributor. 
Then there's three true freshmen. Maybe you get something out of one of those three guys, too, between Trent Pierce, Anthony Robinson, and Jordan Butler. Already you're looking at the makings of a really deep, interesting ball club, in my opinion. And again, if you believe the reporting out there, as we mostly did last year, that Jamarian Sharp was coming to Missouri, well, seems like more of a chance that's going to happen this time around if Western Kentucky is not going to bring their coach back. I haven't actually followed up on that, but it's just everything. It seems like, you know, Western Kentucky had a bad season this past year. All the, all the signs are lining up, so if you wanted some more rim protection, a big old man in the middle, well, it ain't going to get any bigger, literally or figuratively right now, than Jamarian Sharp. And of course, well, leading up to that possible move, Mohamed Diara on the move as well. He's also entering the transfer portal, and until a couple days ago, I was really assuming that he would definitely be back next season, but... Then I heard some rumblings that perhaps Diara would actually return to France, maybe play some professional ball over there. Obviously, he's weighing his options in the portal. We'll see what happens with Mo Diara. Now, the thing with Diara is he's a really talented guy. For a guy his size, he could move very well in a lateral sense, had good coordination, a decent decent touch on his shots, although the results were never great from the three-point line or the free-throw line. It just felt like the mechanics were pretty good. The smoothness was pretty good. It felt like there was more there to tap into offensively. But defensively, I got to be honest, I just don't think that Dennis Gates was ever going to love his defense. He tried hard, and again, side to side, did well. When he would switch out onto a guard, he did okay, but still just too much fouling. And again, in terms of rim protection, wasn't much there. Despite those couple of blocks against Princeton, that really wasn't his thing. And I think his lack of above-the-rim athleticism showed up not only on defense, but on offense as well, where often right by the basket, if he didn't have a lot of momentum maybe being able to take a dribble or something beforehand, he had a real tough time finishing right at the rim. He wasn't Ricardo Ratliff in that he was clever enough or quick enough to get it up on the rim or backboard so quickly that he can make up for that. And that was going to be a problem too, especially against high major SEC quality competition. So I'm a little bit sad though, because again, I thought there was more to develop into, to tap into, but you know, Mohammed sounded like a guy who took some time to adjust, you know, a guy from a different country. So whatever, whatever goes on with him in the future, I wish him the best. Seemed like a good kid and a guy I had fun watching play basketball for sure. So Mohamed Diara, all the best to you, young fella. So if you'll recall, Caleb Love, not the only person that Missouri was very hot on the trail of back in 2020. Josh Christopher and Cameron Fletcher, plus Love, were the three guys that I certainly focused on the most at the time. Well, let's take a look back. How did that turn out for those three guys? All three of them just finished up their third season of college basketball. So let's revisit that famous class after these quick words. You know, if I were Conzo Martin a few years ago, I'm not saying I would have fired my cousin, Nico Demas Christopher, when his son Josh didn't sign with Missouri, but I am saying I would have understood because, my goodness, 
That's the only reason you hired Michael Porter Sr., right? But at least he delivered his son to your basketball team. In fact, two sons to your basketball team. I realize blood is thicker than water, family, all that good stuff. So you and Nicodemus are a little different. But man, I think at the very least, if I was in Conzo's shoes, I'd have been extremely passive-aggressive to old Nicodemus his rest of the time in Columbia. But in all seriousness, though, Josh Christopher did end up living up to the hype. He's in the NBA right now with the Houston Rockets. That team is, of course, a, a bit of a mess. And, well, Josh has never really totally found his footing in the league so far, but he has appeared in 74 games the previous season, 58 this past season, although his numbers and minutes have dipped a little bit. So how long he is for that particular world, I'm not totally sure, but hard to complain with a pro, a guy who's a high school recruit that turns into a pro. Cameron Fletcher, on the other hand, has really been a roller coaster. You may remember his freshman season at Kentucky. Famously, John Calipari just told him to go home essentially. And he did. And well, that was basically for all intents and purposes. That was it for Cameron at his time at Kentucky. And it's been definitely a mixed bag. His two seasons at Florida State as well. He was a contributor last season for Florida State. It was okay. He wasn't, you know, lighting the world on fire whatsoever. You know, as a bench contributor playing about 40% of the available minutes. But, you know, this past season, the numbers had dipped a little bit, and unfortunately, Cameron missed the rest of the season with a knee injury as part of what was just an absolute disaster of a season for Leonard Hamilton and the, and the Seminoles, by the way. It's kind of two bad years in a row for Leonard and the Seminoles, by the way, if you're wondering about Dennis Gates and Charlton Young's old stomping grounds. This season in particular was an absolute disaster for Florida State. You know, from afar, it's hard to say if this is Leonard just losing it a little bit or just a, a couple bad, unlucky years in a row because it wasn't that long ago in the 2021 season that Florida State was a legit top 15 kind of squad. So hard to know what to make of that. And it's also, speaking of Charlton Young, a little update there. It sounds like he's one of the last couple candidates for that head coaching job at Temple. I brought this up yesterday as a possibility. Well, it's starting to sound like an even stronger possibility. Probably in the next day or two, we'll have a word one way or the other. So as I've been trying to tell people, CY Young, one way or the other, he's going to be a hot commodity. It just depends on kind of how hot. If he takes a job this year, it's going to be obviously something more in the Cleveland State Temple kind of range. Maybe if Missouri kills it again next year, maybe Charlton's considered for a high major job, something like Kim English got at Providence. Who knows? But either way, let's just be thankful for as long as Mr. Young, Coach Young, sticks around in Columbia. And you know what? As always, I'm thankful to you for listening to Locked on Mizzou and making it your first listen today. How about for your second listen? Check out the brand new Locked on College Basketball with Isaac Shade, Andy Patton, plus their big time experts, coaches, and players throughout the college hoops landscape even, even better. That's Locked on College Basketball. Available on YouTube and wherever you get landscaping podcasts so until next time i'm john miller and thanks as always for listening to locked on mizzou